Okay, good evening, everyone. Shalom Aleichem, Baruch Ma'avoyim. We have an amazing subject tonight. So if you came tonight, your great-grandmother must have davened well. They should be very to hear what we're going to learn tonight. Okay, so we're continuing this Shur Mansi for Shemais, which is graciously sponsored by Dr. Zakim and Mishpachta, Lilay Nishmas of Shlema, Elias ben Rav Yaakov Zakai, and Lilay Nishmas of David ben Rav Yaakov Tzvi HaKoyen, and are sponsored by the Israeli family. And tonight's share is sponsored by the Ruzhin and Ryavinsky family in honor of their friend's marriage, Rivka Ashkenazi, to David Mizrahi, both from Mexico. On Dalid Shvat. Tonight's here is also dedicated by my dear friend Kenny Pinsauer, Lila Nishmas, his mother, Dina Bas David Chai Hakoyin, who passed away this morning, Nisham Shabin Aliyah. She should be in Lisa for her whole family. Okay, we have an amazing topic tonight. Parsha's Boy. Parsha's Boy begins with the eighth Maka. God said to Moshe, come to Paran. First time we have this lesson of come. Until now it's Lech, go. That's unusual. What do you mean come to Paran? You should say go to Paran. Aren't you going there? When you go somewhere, you go there. Now I'm telling you Chiddush now. Usually when you go somewhere, you go there. You don't come there. You come there after you got there. But you go there. In order to get somewhere, you need to go there. You ever hear that? You never heard that before. But in order to get somewhere, you need to go there. You, when you've come, it means you've arrived. So, really, it should say late But that's a side point. Why? Because I pardoned his heart, the slave Avadam, and the heart of his servants. So that I could place my signs, these signs, in him. And also. That you could tesaper, but as nevin kol you could relate in the ears of your sons and your grandsons. Isa shor hisalalti in the shrine that I made a mockery over the Egyptians. Now this is the first maka where we have this expression that the maka is a mockery of the Egyptians. Why this expression that the maka is a mockery of the Egyptians? And drum roll, vidatem kiani hashem. You will know that I'm God. You say, okay, that doesn't sound to be very novel. Yeah, you better believe it is. Did you know that it has not yet said that any of the Makois are for the Jewish people to know that Hashem is God? We never had that before. Did you know that it's specific to Parshas Boy? Not by Dam, not by Tzfardea, not by Kinim, not by any of the Makois. Did it say that the purpose of the Mako was that you, Klal Yisro, should know that I am Hashem. Isn't that interesting that it waited till the eighth Maka for Hashem to tell Moshe, tell the Jews, this is so you should know that I'm God. So what did it say until then? Ah, look at number five. V'yadu Mitzrayim. Until now, it was the Egyptian. So let's try to organize a number of things. First of all, um, for all you gematria lovers out there, now if let's say you have a you have a uh, bar mitzvah this week, or you have a graduation, and you need to say 
a gamatria. I'm not saying that I'm about to tell you is the best gamatria. This one is like, you know, a little bit simple. You know, this is like a, a, the ABCs of gamatria. This is the first gamatria that anyone ever learned. How many makos are in Parsha's boy? Let's see if you could figure out this gematria. You know, let's see if you could figure out. If you can't calculate this gematria. Three is bow. If you Three can't is bow. This gematria, then Three you know, you need to go back to uh, kindergarten, right? Boy, the gematria of boy, bays and aleph is three. That's right, the Balatum says. There are three makos in this week's parsha. Okay, so that's like gematria 101. A little bit more sophisticated. Rav David Koyin brings in a safer Mizmah Ladovit, Chela Gimel. That Va'era begins Vav Aleph is seven, because there's seven Makois in Va'era. And Va'i is Gematria three, because there's three Makois in Va'i. So here is question number one. This doesn't seem to be a logical breakdown. Why would we have seven in Va'era and three in Va'i? Either have all of them in one parsha, all in the other parsha, or split it in half. Who here knows? Now that you know two plus one, who knows what's half of ten? Come on, we have some accountants over here. <laughs> you know what's half of ten? You should break it down five and five. But what exactly is the uh, the the understanding of this breakdown that we have seven in Ba'ira and three in Boy? Asks of Tzadik Hakohen and the Prisadik. He says the number four, Why arrange three of the last makos in this parsha? And it divides seven in Vaira and three in Vaira. Good question, yeah? You're masking? You agree? That's a good question. Why the breakdown three and uh, seven and three? That's question number one. Question number two. What's the purpose of the makos? So if you remember, in the beginning of the era, we have the Dalit Lashonis of Gula. The Haitsefi, the Gitsalti, the Ga'alti, the Lakakti, and then it says, Lakakti Estam Lila Ambeo Yusilatam Vidatam Kiani Hashem, you Jews, you will know that I'm God. That means ult- the ultimate purpose of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim is for the idea of Klal Yisrael. And yet, if you look at all the Makois up until now, it always said, Laman Teda, Laman Teda, Viyadu Mitzrayim. Every time it said, Egypt should know. The Egyptians should know. Not until Makas Arba and Parshas Boy do we have for the first time that Vidatem going on the Jewish people. If the ultimate purpose of the Makas is for the idea of Klau Yisrael, then why did it wait until Makas Arba? It should have said this all the way in the beginning. So now we're beginning to learn that somehow, the purpose of the first seven Makos was for the Yediyah of the Egyptians. And the final three is for the purpose of the Jewish people. But that also uh, requires uh, our study. And question number three. What was Para's reaction to Makas Dam? Get lost. What was Para's reaction to Tzvardeya? Get at it. What was Para's reaction to Kinim? Go fly a kite. Bever. Go jump in the lake or in the Nile. You know why Paro didn't believe in God. He was in denial. Anyway, that was a joke. That was also on par with the uh, the boy Gamachia, right? It's a good one. I you know. I think it it uh, it gets over overlooked that one. But Paro did not 
humble himself, subdue himself, submit himself to the will of Hashem, and to the request of Moshe until Makas Arba, this week's parasha. For the, in this week's parasha, for the very first time, Pare said, okay, Bechu Ibdu Es Hashem, Miva Miha Halchim, who's going? And Moshe Rabbeinu said, Binarena Biskeinenu, Pare said, no, Lechuna Hagvarin. But at least he started to give in. And then Makas Choyshach, Pare says, Bechu Ibdu Es Hashem, Rak Soinchem of the Karchem Yitzhak, you guys could go, you leave your cattle here. Why? Did it take until Makas Arbe? What was it about Makas Arbe that Taroi started to give in to Meshrabi? So basically, we have on the table three questions, or we'll call it four questions, because since you know you might want to review this uh, Pesach time, and you're going, going to, you're going to want to have four questions. So here are the four questions. Question number one: <clears throat> Why is why are the parshas divided seven Makos, three Makos? Yeah. They should be all in one or half and half. What's the Indian? Especially, you know, you have the Tzach Adash Biachav. Usually, Barad goes with Arda Chayshak Makas Bechayres. Why is it that Parshas Boy is three Makas? You'll say because Boy is Gematria three. No, but, you know, if it would have had four Makas, it would have said a different word. So, why are there three Makas in Parshas Boy? Question number two. Why until now is Biyadu Mitzrayim? And then it comes to Makas Arbe, is it says, Vidatem, you klal Yisrael one. Question number three, why did it take until Makas Arbe for Paris to start to humble himself to the request of Moshe Rabbeinu? And why is it, for the first time, it's Boy El Paris? Okay, so really I should have sent you a message today that you needed to listen to a different share before this year. But it's okay. You'll still get this year. But maybe you go home tonight. I want you to I want you to be aware at least of the following principle, because we're taking it to the next level. Okay? We uh, spoke about this uh, many years ago, and it's in the Sefer on Pesach, and it's in the Haggadah in English, that the ten makos that Hashem brought on the Mitzrim correspond to the ten statements with which Hashem created the world. And the Gemara Rosh Hashanah asks, what do you mean with 10 statements God created the world? It only says Vayoymer nine times. So the Gemara says, Bereshit Nami Mama. And the basic idea, this comes from the Tzrar Hamar of Rabbi Avram Saba. It's further elucidated by the Maral and by uh, the Nesiva Samishbat and by Rabbi Yitzhak Isaac Haver. Hari was a heretic. He did not believe God created the world with 10 statements. So the Rebbeinu says, you don't believe I created the world with 10 statements? Watch this. You don't believe that, that I give man food? The last statement of creation is Hashem gave man food. You don't believe I give man food and he ingests it and digests it and recomposes it to become his blood? Look, I have control over blood. Mak us down. Basically, the way the Maral learns, the first Maka authenticated the last statement of creation. You don't believe I create beginnings, Barash as well, like him. Look at my control over the beginning with Makas Papyrus. So the 10 Makas affirm, authenticate the 10 statements with which Hashem created the world. Over the years, we've shown um, remarkable parallels between the Maka and the statement. I'll give you two examples. One we've spoken about in the past, and one is a, a Fiddush that uh, over the years developed. First of all, we know by the Maka, uh, by the creation of the trees, 
Remember this? So the creation of the trees. God said to the trees, the um that God says to the tree, tree, produce fruit, taste like fruit. But we all know it was the eights oyster The tree produced fruit, it didn't taste like fruit. Lo and behold, we come to Makas Arbe. God tells the grass had the locust to eat the tree. And if you look in the Psukim, they didn't eat the tree. They only ate the fruit. We have a recalcitrant grasshopper. What's going on? Right? These these locusts aren't, they're not locusts. One time I said grasshopper and I received severe condemnation through email. So I accept the criticism. It's not grasshoppers, I know. They're locusts. But for the sake of better understanding of the, the seaboard, if we call it grasshopper, you'll be moichomi. But the locusts, um, also, you look in the parish, Hashem said, eat the tree. It didn't eat the tree. It ate the fruit because since it's reaffirming the creation of the trees, it exactly parallels. So I want to tell you a chiddush that came out. Makas um, Barad, Rashi says, There was a fire in the hill. So why do we, and Rashi says, there was a miracle within a miracle. Why did Hashem make a miracle within a miracle? So Maral says that the Makav Barad was reaffirming the creation of the Rakia. What's the Rakia? The Shamayim. What is the Shamayim made out of? Esh Umayim. So since the heavens are made of fire and water, to reaffirm the creation of the heavens, God again made that very same miracle of fire and water coming together. Okay, and if you study the Makos, you'll see that there's an uncanny parallel between the Maka and the statement of creation. That was We'll call it, you know, Maka 1.0. But now we're on to the next level, okay? Because the Gemara in Chagiga says, God created the world, the Gemara says, with 10 things. Chachma, the Tfuna, the Das. The Marsha says these 10 things sound very similar to the 10 spheres. And the Marsha, as we're going to see, says the ten spheroids are connected to the ten statements with which Hashem created the world. So now, the topic that we're going to speak about today is somewhat mystical. We'll call it somewhat Kabbalistic. And I think it's worthwhile just to get the words. Okay? Okay, that, that's what I'm, I'm going to try to explain. Okay? We, we uh, encounter, let's say, when Sphira Salimah, yeah, there, uh, some people say it's Fila afterwards, where we speak about seven of the spheres. But there are ten spheres. Let's explain what that means. The ten spheres in English are ten mystical emanations of God, which means HaKadosh Baruch Hu controls the universe through the mechanism of ten spheres or ten emanations from which sustenance and influence comes from the Almighty and ultimately reaches this. It goes through ten realities. Call it pipes, call it mediums, call it emanations. This is the concept of the ten spheres. We allude to it every day. We at least allude to seven of them. And the ones that we speak about are, 
which is Chesed, Vehagevura, which is Gevura, Vehatiferes, Vehanetzach, Vehahoid, Kichoyl Bashamayim Ubaaretz, Koyl is Yisoid, Vehashem Hamamlocha is Mamas. Basically, there's an idea, and this is what the Taimur Devara expresses and explains, that it is the job of a human being to emulate an image, the Tzura of the Almighty. And the Almighty's image, not his physical image, but the form with which he allows his influence to reach us is in the form of ten spheroids. These are this is not a physical concept. God is, of course, uh, non corporeal and he has no but there are ten manifestations of divine influence with which he uh, runs the world. The highest being Kesar or Das. The highest spirit is Kesar or Das. Then you have Chachma, and then you have Bina. And then Chesed, Devura, Tiferes, Neitzach, Hoid, Yisoid, Malchus. Okay? Malchus is the lowest one. That is the one from which influence reaches us. There are ten spheroids. The ten spheroids, the Marsha says, are synonymous with the ten statements with which Hashem created the world. Okay? So you may encounter in various spheroids, the spheroids, you'll see that, let's say, Avraham is associated with Chesed and Yitzhak with Kavura and Yaakov with Tiferes and Moshe Rabbein with Netzach, Aaron is Hoid, Yosef HaTzadik is Yisoid, and of course David is Malchus. So you have three spheroids on high, so to speak, the Roish, and the rest of the the rest of the system are seven. So you're already beginning to see that there are sort of, so to speak, two groupings of the spheroids. There's a group of Keser, Chachma, and Bina, Das, Chachma, Bina, three. And there's a grouping of Chesed, Gvurat, Feras, Netzach, Hoid, Yisoy, Mavis. The Yalkut Ruveni brings that the Matzois correspond to the Spheroids first to last. So Dam corresponds to Malchus. And you should have the sheets. And if you don't have the sheets, it's because you didn't sign up to the email. And if you didn't sign up to the email, it's because you didn't go to rabbidg.com and press the subscribe button. That's all it's going to take. That's all you need to do. Or you could figure that by me saying this, you're just registering all the words by heart. And you'll memorize everything I say. That's another option. But the smarter option is just press the big red subscribe button. This way you get the sheet to your inbox. Okay, so the Yaakov Ruveni brings, and the source of this is, uh, one of the commentaries in the Ramami Pano, that the ten Makos correspond to the ten spheroids. Dam corresponds to Malchus. And if you look on your chart, Dam is Malchus, Sephardea is Yisoid. By the way, some suggest, you know, that Sephardea, Sephardea, what did they do? They jumped into the fire. So Sephardea corresponds to Yisoid. Yisoid is the Kedusha. You see, for Kedusha, you gotta, you gotta go into the fire. You gotta give it up. You have to, you have to, uh, purify yourself for Kedusha. Okay. And so on and so forth. The te- until Makas Bechoyrois, which is the 
the the reishis corresponds to the head sphero, which is Kesar. So there's a sefer called Minchas Eliyah. Minchas Eliyah is written by Rabbi Yoach Cohen of Izmir, the Baal Sheh and Moser. And he explains, by the way, this is going to be a very deep share. So um, the, the Baal Sheh and Moser explains how each maka corresponds to each sphera. So many years, for many years already, we've explained how the makas correspond to the 10 statements with which Hashem created the world. But what are we supposed to do? Just stay there? We're supposed to stay here forever? You got to keep on, you know, got to keep on building. So the Shevet Musa explains how the 10 makas correspond to the 10 spheres. So let's try to get uh, some of his approach. Okay, so this is the Sefer Menchas Elyon. The Mida of Malchus. Malchus is the lowest sphere. So basically God is feeding us through the medium, the pipeline, the emanation of Malchus. He's feeding us. That's what he eats for supper tonight. Who's going to volunteer? Nobody? Nobody eats, eats here. What do you eat? Chicken, was it good? You put it in ketchup? Not, no sauces? Fried? What? Fried? Well, you had some flakes on it? Flakes? Like cornflakes on it? Oh, very good. What was the side? String beans, and what do you drink? Water. Very nice. That's a good balanced meal. Where did you get the chicken from? Came down through Malchus. Malchus is the lowest spira. Hashem provided you that meal through the pipeline of Malchus. Now, <clears throat> Hashem is mazen. Hashem is mafarnesas through the pipeline of Malchus. That corresponds to dam. Dam is our body. Dam is our, our guf. Dam is our nefesh. So, Hashem, the Mitzrayim were trying to sort of uh, deny Hashem's uh, Hashem's control over the sphera of Malchus, his ability to provide food for us. So Hashem says, you don't think I provide food? Look what I do to the water. It turns to blood. So that's the first matter. <laughs> Let's move on to, oh, and then he says another uh, interesting idea. Why were the Mitzrayim um, punished with Dam? The Medrash says, because they didn't allow us to go to the Jewish women to go to the mikvah. And it, because they were mavatel, the neshe Yisrael from going to the mikvah, so then Hashem wanted to uphold Malchus. Malchus is also Lashon Nekeva. It's one of the spheroids which is Nekeva. Malchus. Okay. Next one, Sephardea. Sephardea corresponds to Yisoyed. Now, interesting, you might not have known this. You know what the frogs did? They went ahead and they castrated the Egyptians. Okay? Now, this is not for a general audience, but that's what the Tzfardeya did. So, the Sphirus of the Tzfardeya corresponds to the um, <coughs> the Sphira of Yisrael. Yisrael is the Kedusha of the Brismila. So, uh, this is the, the Tzfardeya sort of attacked them in this Indian. Kinim. Must have. Then what? Then he wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah, apparently that they had they had such a practice. They must have had a. They must have been. This was even Lavan didn't go near Rachel because she was a meat, right? So there, you see that there was an awareness of this uh, concept. Actually, Rabbi Bachayi says that it came about as a result of the sin of uh, the Itzadas. Okay, now listen to this. Why were they punished with lice? So the Medrash says, because they made us weep. 
the garbage and the dung and the dust in the streets. So when a person is sweeping the streets, so then it's very un undignified and it ruins the person's uh, it ruins the person's shine, so to speak, and his glory and his hoid. So that's why Kinam corresponds to the Spira of Hoid. Alright. Alright, as I'll say, that they made us trap bears and lions, and it's very hard to be minatseya over a bear and a lion. Eitan, you ever try to catch a bear or a lion? It's very, it's not an easy animal to catch. It's very hard to be minatseya over them. Therefore, it corresponds to the sphere of Netzach. Okay, the Midah of Tiferes. Tiferes is the middle, it's called the middle of the sphere. It's like the heart of the body. And from there, it spreads out to the other Midahs. So Dever, which was a pestilence, began in one limb and spread out to the other limb. Shechin. Shechin corresponds to Gevura. The meat of Gevura is Eish. And the Shechin was like burning, fiery boils. Barad. Barad corresponds to Chesed. Now, this is very interesting. The Egyptians wanted to afflict us with Midas Hadin. So really, we should have been getting Chesed and they afflicted us with Midas Hadin. So too the Barad. On the outside was Mayim, which is Chesed. But on the inside was the Eish, which was they were being affected by the Mida of Din. Arve is Bina, understanding. The Arve attacked the produce, the bread. Without bread, bread allows you to think. That's why people like to drink coffee in the morning so that their brain doesn't turn on until many, many hours into the day. But the Gemara says you need to have bread. Bread allows the mind to think. So Arve corresponds to Bina. Okay? Then you have Soishat is darkness, corresponding to Sochim. The Yisroin Ha'or min ha'choshech. That's Yisroin ha'chocham min ha'kisil. Wisdom is associated with light. So they were attacking, so to speak, God's dominion over the sphere of chachma. So Hashem turned out the lights. Then, what? Havan eskakmaloi. So they were using chachma against Hakadosh Baruch Hu. So Hakadosh Baruch Hu turned out the light. And then finally, Kesar, which is the racist of all the spheroids, the Islam demonstrated his control over the racist by Makas Bechayrois. But as we mentioned, friends, there is a very, um, the 10 statements with which Hashem created the world are basically synonymous with the 10 spheroids. Now, what does this mean exactly? It's that the Mitzrim, by challenging HaKadosh Baruch Hu's control over the spheroids, they were maintaining the power of the Sphira Litoma. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu had to raise us up level after level after level. You see, the Mitzrim attacked the ten Sphiroids. In other words, they attacked HaKadosh Baruch Hu's dominion over the ten Sphiroids, one Madrega after another after another. So Hashem, by bringing Makas Dam, He demonstrated that the Sphira of Malchus, which is the lowest would be regained and reclaimed by the Jewish people. Hashem brought us up sphere after sphere after sphere until by Makas Bukhariyot we were on the Madrega of Okay? So that's the general approach of uh, the Makos uh, as advanced by the Yankot Ruveni and 
by the Baal Shevet Mosul. Comes Rup Tzadikatayim. And many Mekayimahs. In Parshas Ba'era, in Parshas Ba'i, in Ois Aleph, in Parshas Ba'i, in Ois By the way, look at number 12 in Rabbeinu Mechayi. Rabbeinu Mechayi says precisely what we're learning. That the Seder of the Makayis, the Tzach Adash B'Achav, is the same order of the Spheroids from below to above because blood is connected to Midas Hamalchus and likewise all of them. By the way, uh, tonight here is primarily based on the beautiful Sefer from Nizmar Ladavid, Rav David Koyin, the Rosh Hashiva of Hebron, and the third volume. Actually, I remember many years ago when the first volume came out and uh, my good friend with Moshe Gruen, the Oirach, and the Koisev of these uh, volumes. And that's where I got the first idea of that the Makos correspond to the Asar Ma'amoresh and Nibra Ha'ilam. I remember I called him up a few times because in the world of the Maral, he says it goes backward. In other words, Dam corresponds to the last statement of creation and Makos Bukharis corresponds to the first statement of creation. But the middle ones are not exactly in order. So I remember calling up uh, Mashi Gruen to ask Rav David Klein that it doesn't quite go in order. And he basically had Rav David Klein answered that the order is determined by the bookends. It doesn't have to go exactly in order. And at the time, I was told that Rav David Klein is now giving sheer on how the Sliroys correspond to the Makos. So this was um, almost 10 years ago. But now we're here 10 years later, so now the shirim he gave 10 years ago, it's now in print. You know, so now we're, we're, uh, we're up to volume three. But in any event, Rav David Kain quotes uh, the, the Preet Sadik that whenever you see the number 10, you could be sure that it's connected and associated with the 10 Svirois. And the Makois, the Rebbe was bringing us up level after level after level in order to reclaim our Amuna and Kodesh Baruch's dominion over these spheroids. But, Rav David Kain says, and look at number 15, that the last three Makois correspond to the highest three spheroids. And this is the reason why, friends, the breakdown of the Makois, seven in Parshas Ba'era and three in Parshas Ba'i. Because the seven in Ba'era, the seven Makos in Ba'era correspond to the seven lower spheroids. Those are the ones that, so to speak, we deal with and we could comprehend and we could assimilate in our minds. But the three highest ones are, so to speak, above and beyond full comprehension. And therefore, they're reserved to Parshas Boy. And then the Ritzelik HaKoyin says that in order to get access to them, we had to really reclaim them. So I'm going to give you a mashal. If you take my thing, so then it depends where you're holding it. If you have it in your hands, I could I could get up and I could come over to you and I could try to pull it away from you. But what if you swallow it? And I need it. So I don't know what we're gonna have to do. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to get in there. I need it back. So we're gonna have to So Tzalikakain says the last three spirits, the highest three levels, in order to access it. We had to go like into the deepest recesses of the heart and soul of Paroi. And that's why finally by Marcus Arvid says, Boy El Paroi. It wasn't enough to go. We had to like come into him because we had to reclaim these three strips. Now, 
this this is pretty ad, uh, this is as advanced as we've ever gone but uh, I think we'll try to get the words out okay so now we're understanding at least a system of why you have seven makos and parshas ba'ira and three makos and parshas ba'ira because the makos correspond to the system of the spheroids where you have the seven lower spheroids they correspond to the first seven makos and the three highest spheroids correspond to the three last makos. What is the difference exactly between the bottom seven spheroids and the top three spheroids? Well, says David Cain, I thought you might ask that question. No, he doesn't quite say it like that. But And now he introduces two different Hanhagai Salasha. And the source of this is the Ramchal Sefer, Tishchei Chachma Vadas. Explained by Rav Chaim Friedlander, one of the great experts in the works of the Ramchal. And that basically, HaKadosh Baruch has two orders of operation. There's something called Erech Anken, and there's something called Ze'erech. Now maybe these words sound somewhat familiar. You're associating it with tuna fish and egg salad. Because Shalashud this time, it sounds like some words that sometimes we say, Ze'eranpin. So, okay, I think you're barking up the right tree. But Erech Anpin and Ze'eranpin are basically code words for two types of Hanhaga Yisavasha. The Hanhaga that we're most familiar with is called Hanhagas Hamishbat. Hanhagas Hamishbat is justice. You do a mitzvah, you're healthy. You do mitzvahs, you live long. You do mitzvahs, you learn Torah, you have a good life. You don't do things right, things are not good. That's Hanhagas HaMishpat. That's how, so to speak, we expect the world to run. That is one Hanhaga of Hashem. It's called Hanhagas HaMishpat. Hanhagas HaMishpat is the Er Anten. But there is a Hanhaga called Hanhagas HaYichot. What's Hanhagas HaYichot? It's not reward and punishment, but yeah, Hanhagas Hayichot. Hanhagas Hayichot is a mode of operation of God that brings creation to its ultimate goal, irrespective of the actions of mankind. Sometimes we wonder, wait a second, how exactly is uh, Mashiach going to come? Is Hashem waiting for everyone to get their act together? Are we? Is the world in the right direction? I have a question. Let's say the United States of America and its morals and values over the last 50 years. Are they in the right direction or the wrong direction? You know? From the time of the founding fathers, you know, anything the country stood for that was good, yeah, they, they had to tear, they tore down those, you know, statues. So, is the country headed in the right direction? Is the world headed in the right direction? So how, how is the world supposed to get to its end goal? The answer is there's a, a mode of conduct, of a, a mode of operation called Hanhagas Hayichot, where he will just bring the world to its end goal, irrespective of the actions of man. That is a Hanhaga above and beyond regular human comprehension. That is what is called the mode of operation of Ayam Haba, the world to come. The Gemara says in Sakim, on the Pasik Bahaya Hashem Lamalcha Kalaretz, 
On that day, God will be one. And the Gemara asks, what, only on that day he'll be one? Now he's not one? And the Gemara says, no, the world to come is not like this world. This world today, you get a, today I got a call, someone had a baby girl. I also got a call that somebody's mother passed away. So on good tidings, you make on bad tidings, you say die in ha'emes. In the world to come, everything will be good. Rav David Kain explains, this is the deep stuff tonight. Okay, so I'm just, I'm saying words. It's, it's worthwhile to hear the systems, let's call it. It's good to know the systems. The world to, the system of the world to come is Hanhagas Hayyichad. It's not necessarily um, reward, punishment, justice. It's God acting irrespective of the uh, relative actions of man. That's Hanhagas Hayyichad. The Hanhaga of this world is Hanhagas Hanishma. But the first seven spheroids are Hanhagas Hamishpat. Kesar, Chachma, Bina is Hanhagas The last Ze'er Antin is Hanhagas Hamishpat. Erech Antin is Hanhagas Hayifat. Sure. So Erech Antin, the the Hanhagas Hayifat are the top three spirits. The top three spirits are God's mode of operation, of acting and bringing the world to its end goal, irrespective of the actions of man. Because you have to understand, God's reality is not affected by man's actions. The way God manifests to us is, is affected by man's actions. We don't change God's reality, but our actions affect the way Hashem is manifest to us. Therefore, Rabbi Stein, the top three spheroids are well above and beyond the comprehension of the Mitzrayim. Why three? It's a bit, it's a major subject. How Kesar, Chachma, and Das, uh, how Kesar, Chachma, and Bina work. How these three spheroids work. But these three are above and beyond the comprehension of the Mitzrayim. The bottom seven are the, the spirits with which God interacts with this world. That was within Paro's grasp to understand. Parshas Vaera, the first seven makos, were demonstrating to Paro God's dominion over the bottom seven spirits with which he interacts with this world. That is called Ze'eranpin Hanhagasamishbat. That was possible for Paro to understand. So by the seven bottom spirits and the seven first makos, it says, the Yadu Mitzrayim Kiani Hashem. Those were only for Egypt to know. It was for Kali Yisrael also, but it was specifically for the Egyptians because that's something they were able to comprehend. Yeah, but it, okay, but in terms of the Yediya, the Yediya was Dafka for the Mitzrayim. We come to the Makkah of Arba. And the Mark of Arbe is already corresponding to Bina. And Bina as the top three spheroids. This is already God's ability to, so to speak, say that the actions of man will not change the course of how I will change history. And for the very first time, Tara said, huh? 
Huh? What's that? I don't get that. God is to operate and not be affected by man's actions. I I was now trained in the seven uh, spheroids and the Hanhaga of Zeher Anpin. I don't understand that. That is what humbled Paroi by Marcus Arben. Paroi said, there's a system of how God works that's above and beyond my comprehension. For the very first time, Paroi says, all right, I give up. This is not a this is not a God that I'm able to comprehend. This is what humbled Paroi. Now, for the first time, friends, Hashem says, okay, we leave the Egyptians behind. This is not something they can understand. This is not something they could comprehend. For the very first time, by Makas, what does it say? Vidatem. This is for Klal Yisrael. The idea that the Yibar Hashem could operate the world. It's something Klal Yisrael I want to give you the following, Masha. Okay? And this is what the Ramchal writes then in Das Tzavonais. God simultaneously operates the world through Anhagas Hayichud and Anhagas Hamishpat. This is this is very clear and this is important to know. Okay, we know that ultimately there'll be uh, a day that all of mankind recognizes Hashem, and Hashem will bring the world to the Ayasu Kulam Agoda Achas. Lastly, we turn to Blaze of Shalom and Bahay Hashem Lamalach Al Kala Oretz. So God is bringing the world to its ultimate um, rectification. Question, do I have free choice? Yeah. Do you have free choice? Yeah. Does he have free choice? Yeah. So if we all have free choice, how exactly is God going to bring the world to its ultimate completion if every individual has free choice? And if I choose right, I'm going to be rewarded. If I choose wrong, I'm going to be punished. So then how is the world moving to its ultimate com- um, rectification. So Ramchal writes that God has the control that even though for each individual Hashem is dealing with each one of us that if we do what's right, we're rewarded. If we do what's wrong, we're punished. God could still at the same time be bringing the whole world to its ultimate completion. So that means simultaneously. So the analogy I like to use is is the earth rotating or is the earth revolving? Do you know what those words mean? Rotating means, you know, you have a ball. It's rotating on its axis. Or is it revolving around the sun? Which one is it doing? Doing both. So while it's rotating, it's also revolving around the sun. So this is the sun. And this is the earth. While the earth is rotating on its axis, it's also revolving around the sun. So while HaKadosh Baruch Hu deals with every individual and the, and the world, and we all have free choice, he's simultaneously bringing the world to its ultimate completion. All right, so how many secrets of the universe can we discuss in one sphere? But the bottom line is, let's get the system. The system is, that the purpose of the Makkahs was to reaffirm the, the the world being created with 10 statements, but the 10 statements with which the world was created is predicated on 10 mystical emanations that are called the 10 spirits, which are Keser, Chachma, Bina, Chesed, Gevura, Tiferes, Netzach, Hoyd, Yesoy, Machet. The bottom seven spirits are the air, 
Anten. Anhagas Hamishpat. Something that humanity can comprehend. Anhagas Hayichud. That is something reserved. Only the Jewish people could comprehend this idea that simultaneous to the operation of Hanhagas Hamishpat, there's something called Hanhagas Hayichud. Therefore, we get now the breakdown of Boy. Boy is Gematria 3. That's all you need to know. If you want to know, I'm walking out of here. What can I take with me? Boy is Gematria 3. Ba'era Vav Aleph is 7. What does that re- represent? Three spheroids, seven spheroids. You can't break it down five and five. There are two groupings over here. That's why in Parshas Ba'era is Viyadu Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim can comprehend the spheroids with which God interacts with this world in a mode which is understandable to man. But the Makos of Arbe, Choshe, Makas Bechoros, that's Hanhagas Hayichot, that's something which is reserved for the understanding of the Jewish people. Therefore, until Parsha in Ba'ira, it's Viyadu Mitzrayim. But as the Rebbein Shem said in the beginning of the Makos, the ultimate purpose of the Makos are Vidaten, that you should know, that will be achieved through the final three Makos, of which you'll observe something called Hanhagas Hayifat. That is why for the first time in this week's Parsha, Paroi humbles himself to Moshe Rabbeinu. He says, He now recognizes that there's a God who transcends his limited understanding. And therefore, if David Cain says, by Marcus Arbe's first time, where we have the word, Hisalalti. Hisalalti is like laughter. We know that the Chizkuni says, Hisalalti is a lashon of Tzachoyk and Laag. We know that the end of days is called Az Yimalei Sefaik Pinu Hayinu Kachomim. That was the Madrig of Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva was uh, Sachak. Laughter. Laughter is, so to speak, a reaction of the end of days when we realize, you see, what's Hanhagas Hayichot? Hanhagas Hayichot is that Everything that happens in the world, whether it's apparent good or apparent bad, is really, in essence, the good of Hashem bringing the world to its ultimate goal. What's laughter? Laughter is really that's 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 so funny. I I never I never would have realized that. You know, what's a joke? A joke is really I I missed that. Stachoik is something which is, so to speak, the reaction reserved for the end of days that only. The Rebunishlaim, Yoishev Bashamayim, Yishat Hashem Yilag Lamai. So therefore, Makis Arbe, which was revealing, so to speak, a Hanhaga of the Akras Hayomim, is a Lashon of Esasher, the Salal Tibim Israel. So I will tell you that um, tonight's share was like uh, a different level. And um, this won't be a typical uh, style, but I couldn't help myself, you know? <laughs> So, um, I mean, we had to we had to explain, you know, why why the breakdown of the era of life. Yeah, look, in in many of the forum you have a you have a diagram that uh, the the top three spheroids are the head. Chachma Vinavadas is the head, and the rest of it is is the Tsuras uh, Hagot. But uh, 
this gives you at least a system to understand. Ba'era is dedicated to Viyadu Mitzrayim, the seven spheroids with which Hashem interacts with this world. Those spheroids, Parai was still stubborn toward. Once he came to the eighth, ninth, and tenth maka, corresponding to the top three spheroids, Parai had a little hachna. Parai realized there's a system above and beyond his comprehension. This system is the datem. This was reserved for the Jewish people. And regarding this maka, we have Isashar Hisalalti. Therefore, Parshas Boy, Gematria 3, the top three spheroids. And finally, we're doing things a little out of order tonight, but I hope you mark down on your calendar, March 3rd to March 5th, the first ever Mechon Magad Rakiat Convention in Florida. You're all cordially invited, March 3rd to March 5th. And uh, you could join us uh, March uh, February 17th to the 22nd in uh, Italy, in the footsteps of the Chida. If anybody wants to join, um, you could sign up now. Have a great night, everyone. Rachel Vaslacha, welcome. Thank you.